This is the Starkville State of Mind, hosted by Justin Strawn. Welcome to the Starkville State of Mind podcast. I am your host, Justin Strong. Glad to be with you for the early week edition of the show. I apologize for not having a late week edition of the show last week. My wife kind of got a little bit sick. I felt like she needed me more than I needed to be recording. So I was taking helping taking care of her on Wednesday and Thursday of last week. But good to be back in the recording chair on a Sunday night, getting you ready for the week to come that is for the Mississippi State Bulldogs. I have a lot to talk about. Two big wins for the Bulldogs in terms of men's basketball. Obviously, the women's basketball team had a nice bounce back as well. We'll touch on both of those for just a little bit. And we'll probably get into a little bit of recruiting news for the uh, for the football team. So we've got a lot to talk about and a lot to discuss. So let's go ahead and get into it. But before we do that, I do want to tell you about our sponsor here at Starkville State of Mind the Cherokee Valley Golf Course. If you're a golfer and you live in the Greater Memphis area, you're probably just like me looking for the best opportunity for you to spend your golfing time wisely. Well, why not look and check out Cherokee Valley Golf Course? My son and I golf there almost every single time we go out, and it's a great course whether you're a skilled golfer looking for a challenge or if you're a beginner somewhat like me and just trying to learn how to play the game. My son and I have been playing there for years, and we would highly recommend it. They've done a great job of keeping the course maintained. It's a beautiful course, lots of wonderful practice facilities, no reason that you shouldn't be out there honing your game. So if you're in the Olive Branch area or in the greater Memphis area, give Cherokee Valley Golf Course a look and go ahead and tell them I sent you. That's Cherokee Valley Golf Course. You can call them at 662-893-4444, or you can book a tee time online at olivebranchgolf.com. All right, let's go ahead and jump into the heart of the show. We will start off with the men's basketball team. It was a productive week for the men's basketball team. Bulldogs go 2-0 and after a very difficult uh, home loss to the Kentucky Wildcats last weekend. Uh, they led late in the game by nine points against the Wildcats, ended up blowing that lead, ended up losing in double overtime to the Wildcats. Still have not been able to beat John Calipari, John Calipari since he has been the Kentucky Wildcat coach. But they rebounded nicely. They get a nice win over Missouri on Tuesday night, a top 15 team. I don't think they'll stay there, but they should still be a top 20 team by the time the rankings come out on Monday. And then they follow it up with a win on the road against Vanderbilt. Not a, it's not a good Vanderbilt team, but nevertheless, when you get a, whenever you can get a win on the road, it's always a good thing. Now, it looked rough at times for Mississippi State in the game on Tuesday night against Missouri. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that just because most of you have already uh, – it's been talked about quite a bit. But nevertheless, Mississippi State ends up going down by 14 early in the second half. They were trailing by 12 at halftime, and then they just went on a, an incredible run. They ended up scoring, outscoring Missouri by 15 points uh, after they go down by 14 and end up turning that game completely around, end up taking a 15-point win uh, at Humphrey Coliseum on Tuesday night. Now, obviously, the, thing, the story of the game was Iverson Molinar and DJ Stewart, and it continues to be the theme of this team as they continue to play here in SEC play because they followed it up on Saturday with another outstanding performance. It, it, it's just become 
A fact. If Iverson Molinar and DJ Stewart are going to play lights-out basketball for Mississippi State, they're going to be very, very tough to beat. They have become the focal points. They have stepped up in ways that most of us didn't really see coming a season ago. Look, they looked good last year, and I've already said on this show once that I thought that Iverson Molinar – his usage a season ago was just absolutely criminal because he barely saw the floor last year as a freshman, and I thought that he really could have done a whole lot more for the team than what he was actually doing. So to see him step up hasn't been that big of a surprise to me, but to see him step up the way that he has, well, that has been a big surprise. Uh, both DJ Stewart and Iverson Molinar are among the top scorers in the SEC right now. Uh, they both are averaging almost 20 points a game. Uh, Iverson, Molinar is at ni- Iverson Molinar is at 19.2 points per game. Uh, DJ Stewart is at 18.6. And they've got Tulu Smith, who is basically a double-double machine for the most part. Uh, he averages 13 points per game plus uh, almost nine rebounds at 8.8 to be specific. And they're just doing an incredible job of in the backcourt, which is leading to opportunities in the frontcourt. Now, they've, this is a really good team. This team has really impressed me. I'm very, very surprised at just how well they have played. And the only thing that is really holding them back from being a slam dunk NCAA tournament team is the two games that they have played without Iverson Molinar. They were a completely different team when they didn't have Molinar on the floor for them, and it is costing them pretty heavily right now. Uh, they've got to find a way to get – do something about getting those two games back. They've, it just means they've got to play better here in SEC play. And they've got some opportunities coming up in the next three games. Next three games, they are playing at home. They've got Texas A&M on Wednesday night, a Texas A&M team that is not altogether that great. I'll pull up their schedule real quick. But after they follow – no, I'm sorry, not the schedule, the standings. Uh, but after they get done with Texas A&M, they have Florida, a Florida team that has not played – particularly well and has not really done much in the Mike White area era. I'm assuming that Mike White's still the coach. I haven't really kept up with them that, that much. I'll look into them a little bit more before they play them on Saturday. And then they have a game against Ole Miss uh, the following week. That's three straight home conference games. And they really – you really honestly want to see them win all three, but you got to win at least two, in my opinion, if they're going to have a chance to, to want to be a serious contender for the NCAA tournament because – What they follow those three home games with is four out of five games being played on the road. And the one home game is not a conference game. It's the SEC Big 12 Challenge. So they've got two really difficult – got four road SEC road games to follow the three-game homestand. And three of them are against really good teams. They have to go to Alabama, to Tennessee. Like I said, they have the home game against Iowa State – on the 30th to end up uh, to close out the month of January. Then they go to Arkansas, and it's never fun to play in Arkansas. And they finish that road uh, stretch up with a game against South Carolina, and it's never easy to play in South Carolina. So this is going to be – it's really important they get as many of these games, these next three games, as they possibly can. Uh, Look, this is a good team, so I think they can win some of those games on the road. But you asking them to – asking them to like be guaranteed like pull out two of them it's not going to be easy they've never, they've always struggled at alabama they've always struggled at tennessee uh like i said arkansas playing at arkansas is what it is it's just not easy and playing at south carolina it's never been just an easy feat for mississippi state as well so look texas a&m the the opponent for 
uh, Tuesday's game. I'm sorry, Wednesday's game. They play Wednesday at eight o'clock. They're not great. Uh, they are a total of six and four, one and three in SEC play. And their their biggest thing is they just don't score very well. Now they're a pretty good defensive team, but they don't score the ball very well. They're very similar to the way they were last year. And Mississippi State got upset by Texas A&M a year ago. It was a game that Mississippi State really needed to win uh, to give them a, a better chance at making the NCAA tournament, and they probably were not going to unless they had won two or three games in the SEC tournament. Uh, but it was a game that they needed to win, and they ended up losing that one. They just couldn't score. They couldn't do much offensively because that's kind of what Texas A&M is. They're, they're a good defensive team, but they don't – they're not a very good offensive team. They only average 66 points per game. They only give up 65.3. Um, so that's the thing. They don't shoot the, the three ball very well. They only shoot a little under 30%. So Mississippi State needs to hold them back in the three-point contest. They need to be able to – that's one That's one of the problems that Mississippi State has had ever since Ben Howland got here. Ben Howland is a great defensive coach. That's kind of what he is, his hallmark has been ever since he has shown up in start uh, – ever since he's been a coach – is defense and for the most part Mississippi State is a good defensive squad but for some reason teams seem to have career nights against Mississippi State when from from the three-point range of uh, Vanderbilt hasn't been that great of a three-point shooting team they shot quite a few three-pointers on Saturday um I'm trying to think on against Kentucky Kentucky came into the season shooting 25 percent from three-point range they shot like 45 percent against uh, Mississippi State when they when Kentucky came to Starkville uh, Missouri had a pretty decent night from three-point range I don't remember exactly where but they did so you need Texas A&M to not be to not get hot from uh, offensively you need to kind of keep them where they are because as long as Mississippi State can do what they've done offensively they should be okay I mean they are averaging Where's their points per game? 75 points. As long as they get their 75 points per game, they should that should be more than enough for Mississippi State to take on the W against a very not good Texas A&M team. Uh, they've got two guys averaging double figures. Emmanuel Miller, uh, he's, a down, he's, a, he's a post player. He averages 17.3 points per game and gets 7.8 rebounds per game. Uh, the only other player that has double figures for them is Quentin Jackson. Uh, he averages 12 points per game, and he appears to be a guard. He's their best three-point shooter by far at 43.8%. The, they don't have that much they don't have much firepower outside of him from downtown. They do have one other player, uh, Hassan Diara, who is shooting at 37.5%, but everybody else is right around 30 or lower. So uh, basically, you need to find a way to keep Emmanuel Miller and Quentin Jackson. I'm assuming that Abdul Adu will draw the, the matchup against Miller to try to keep, uh, hold him down and try to keep him somewhat in check because that's what Abdul Adu is the, on the court for. I mean, he's on the court to make to play defense he's not on the court for much of anything else and because basically all their offense comes from iverson molinar dj stewart and Tolly smith and now jalen johnson has done a really nice job of giving mississippi state a nice outside presence uh, i mean the bulldogs shoot almost 39 percent, 38.9 from from three-point range that's really really good uh they average uh, just over six three-pointers game it's not a huge part of mississippi state offense and a lot of it, like I said, is coming from Jalen Johnson. Uh, he started the last six games, uh, and that's where most of his point production is coming. He's only averaging eight points per game, but if he had been starting the entire season, he'd probably be closer to double figures than what he is. When he was just coming off the bench early in the season, that's kind of what's kept his his point average down. But you got a really good team here. I mean, 
Abdullah, do you know what he is? He's he's in there for defense. I mean, he's in there basically to get blocks and to keep the post somewhat under control. Uh, you've got Devion Smith who comes off the bench and is a bit of a has been a bit of a spark plug the last few times that he has the last few games that Mr. State has played. Ever since really SEC play started, he's kind of found his his role. He's kind of an instant offense guy. And Cam Matthews, who was a starter to begin the season. He's found a nice role off the bench. He's not a great offensive player. He doesn't do much offensively for Mississippi State. He only averages about three points per game. But it was his steal against Vanderbilt that pretty much sealed the win on Saturday for the Bulldogs. You know, it was just they're finding ways to win, and it all, like I said earlier in the the show, is that it all goes through Iverson, Molinar, and D.J. Stewart. Uh, Tolly Smith had a nice game on Saturday. And that's really the key. They've got to be able to get – at least one other guy going. They didn't have a whole lot of production from a third starter, from a third player against the Wildcats a week ago. But when they're getting production from a third and a fourth player, especially in crunch time, especially when they've got to have a bucket, if they can count on somebody besides Molinar and Stewart, then they're going to be in good shape. But if it's just the two of them, I mean, there's only so much the two of them can do. As great as they have been, and they're possibly one of the best backcourts that we've ever had at Mississippi State, if they don't get much help, it's not going to really matter how well they play. So, uh, Tolly Smith needs to continue to do what he has been doing, continue to be a guy that can uh, get rebounds, continue to be a guy that they can get the ball to in the low post and make shots. I mean, he's shooting 56.3% from the field this year. Uh, like I said, being a guy that can get 13 points per game, that's really solid for the Bulldogs. They need to continue to get that production from him. They need to continue to get outside production from Jalen Johnson. Uh, look, I'm excited about this team. It just really stinks the fact that they, those two games that they didn't have Iverson Molinar for are really holding them back. I mean, it's it's the difference between being an NCAA tournament team and being basically an NIT team right now. Uh, now, maybe, maybe the NCAA tournament will look at if – the Bulldogs continue to play really well and they continue to win games like they have been, which is not a guarantee to say the least. Uh, maybe the NCAA tournament will look at those games and say, you know what, they didn't have Molinar. We, we need to take that into consideration. Why that's that's a reason why they didn't play as well in those first two games of the year. It's a possibility. But the main thing they've got to do, like I said, they need to try to get all three of their next three games. Uh, they're all very winnable. They're all games that Mississippi State is probably going to be favored in. And they need to win them. Like I said, you've got games, you got tough games on the road to follow in the next four contests. Places that Mississippi State has never played well, even uh, with or without Ben Howland as the head coach. So they need to find a way to get some of these wins, uh, try to get all three of their next three home games. Give yourself some room to basically give yourself some wiggle room, is what you're looking for. Because if you're six and one going into those four road games, even if you lost them all, you'd still be at six and five and could recover. Now, like I said, you really want to win one or two of them, but if you lost them all, it wouldn't be the end of the world if you win all three of the next ones. But the issue you have here, and we'll talk more about as we get into it, that third home game is against Ole Miss. And Ben Howland for – look, some he's had some ups and downs. There have been times when the Bulldogs have looked spectacular under him like they are right now, and there are times when they look absolutely pathetic under him. They've looked pathetic a lot when they played Ole Miss. Uh, they've got to find they've they've got to find a way to beat Ole Miss. Ben Howland has a losing record against the Rebels. He's four and six. He's never swept them. He's been swept by them once, and it's one of the reasons why 
in my opinion, that he has not found the popularity that he has had. That you know, Rick Stansberry's had, uh, or anybody else for that matter, Richard Williams, because he just hasn't been able to beat the Rebels. Uh, and look, Ole Miss is not good. As great as they looked under uh, Kermit, Kermit Davis their first year in 2019, they have not looked good under him these uh, last year. They haven't looked great under him. They haven't looked very good under him this year. So, look, we'll, actually, we'll talk more about that, but, you know, you got to find a way to beat Texas A&M. you got to find a way to beat Florida, and you need to make sure that you take care of Ole Miss. Uh, early next week. These games are games that good teams should win. You can have a slip-up, but when you've got four straight SEC road games to follow that, you can't afford a slip-up in these next three games. You just can't. You've got to win these games. You're going to be the the better team. You have to find a way to win. So, Speaking of better teams, let's go ahead and take a quick look at the women's team. All right, real quick look at the women's team. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on the women's. If you've listened to my show long enough, you know that I don't really spend a lot much time on the women's team until they get to March, even though they aren't dominating the way that a lot of people thought that they would or thought that they could uh, so far, but they're still uh, a really good team. Um, The women's team, they do bounce back after their uh, home setback to the Kentucky Wildcats last weekend. They get two games games this week. Uh, They beat Florida on – they beat Florida on – Thursday night, and they rebounded to beat Ole Miss today. The Ole Miss game was a little bit more interesting than we thought it would be. Look, Mississippi State has owned Ole Miss the past uh, 14 games. This is now a 14-game winning streak in the series. But this was by far the closest of all. And they ended up winning by four points. Uh, it was never a game that Mississippi State was really in control of. They had to fight off the Rebels throughout much of it. They did build their lead up to like 10 or 12, I think, at one point in the fourth quarter. But Ole Miss took a used a 10-point a 10-0 run late in the fourth quarter to cut into the lead and gave themselves. They actually had uh, they actually had possession of the ball with an opportunity to win in the closing seconds, but they weren't able to come through. They ended up throwing up an air ball, and Mississippi State was able to close out the victory and get back on the winning side of things. Look, this is a good team, but the problem that they're having. And it's going to be the case whenever you change coaches is every coach, and I kind of talked about this, I think, last week, every coach is going to try to run things the way that they're accustomed to running them. That's the way they know how to coach. It's the way that they know. It's the way they've been taught to coach. And Nikki McCray-Pinson is doing the same thing. She's trying to – she's basically trying to bring an NBA type of – an NBA type of offense to – the Bulldogs uh, get them get a motion offense, get a an offense that relies a lot on spacing and shooting. And I don't know that there is the shooting that there to be consistently successful as we would like for them to be. It's a similar situation to what Mississippi State had with Joe Moorhead uh, a couple of years ago. It's similar to what the football team is having now with Mike Leach, but. The difference is Mississippi State is, has one of the best rosters in all of them's college basketball. So they're going to win some games that even if they don't play at their best and don't execute the offense the way that uh, Nicky McCray-Pinson would like, they'll still end up winning a lot of games just because of the fact that they are more talented than almost every other team on the court. Look, this is probably still going to be a team that is looking at like a Sweet 16 berth, possibly getting into the lead Eight. And if they can figure things out a little bit as the season continues to play on, then they could be in pretty good shape to possibly get beyond that. They have the talent. The talent is not the issue. The, the issue that the women's team has is just learning the new system. And it was a really important game for the Bulldogs today because, look, 
Nikki McCray Pinson, she's got an uphill battle in terms of winning the fan support the way that Vic Schaefer had won the fan support over. Um, I mean, Mississippi State was a was one of the biggest draws in all of women's college basketball just because the fans absolutely loved Vic Schaefer. Vic Schaefer did a really good job of selling his program to the Mississippi State fan base, and they bought in, and he, they were rewarded with one of the best products in all of women's college basketball. So, so she's got a tough... She's got a tough. Uh, she's got a tough person that she's got to follow in the footsteps of, and it's losing. If she had lost the game this afternoon to Ole Miss, that would have been that would have been really tragic. Now, look, we don't know exactly how much support. I don't know how much support there is for the women's team. How much support there is for the men's team, just because of the fact that only ten percent of the stadium can be sold out. Uh, so it's really hard to gauge at this point. Uh, but it really would have been difficult to find people who would have stayed bought into this program had they lost to Ole Miss. I mean, that was basically for the past uh, six, seven years, you could expect Mississippi State to beat Ole Miss, and that's what they were doing. So have, if they had lost that game, it could have, been, it could have gotten really, really bad in terms of fan support for, for, for Nikki McCray-Pinson. But she didn't, and she, the, they held on. Uh, the, there's a lot of learning to do. There's a lot of things that this team needs to figure out, a lot of things they need to work out. But I think that they will get there. Uh, Nikki McCray Pinson, she has an incredible pedigree. I mean, she was an all-star player. She was one of the best in the country, in the world, really, uh, when she was playing the game of basketball herself. She's had uh, a long tutelage under Don Staley, who is the well-accomplished South Carolina coach. And she did really well at Old Dominion. So I don't think that she's going to be a failure. But... She does have to figure. She does have to make sure that this team figures things out and starts producing a little bit better because Mississippi State has become to expect excellence in women's basketball. And if she wants to keep the fan support anywhere close to where it was when Vic Schaefer was the head coach, then she's going to have to continue to win at a pretty high level. And that's not going to be easy. It's not easy walking into a program where the, your predecessor was was really honestly the best coach in any program that this team has – that the school has ever had. I mean, the, she, Vic Schaefer took Mississippi State to two straight national championship appearances. Uh, it's hard to match up to that. So, But that's the task that has been presented before her, and we'll see if she is up to the task. And so far, she's done a pretty good job. Look, I mean, they only got two losses. Uh, one was to a really good Kentucky team. And one was to a, probably an underrated South Florida team. So, uh they're going to be fine. Uh, it just may not be quite what we want for the next year or two or what we're accustomed to. But I, I think eventually down the road that Mickey McCray Pence is going to have this team rolling the way that we kind of expect them to in at least a couple of years. So we just got to be patient, and they'll they'll get to where the, – they're going to get back to, I think, that level that we saw with Vic Schaefer. It just may take a little bit longer than what we'd like. So, all right, let's finish up the show with a little bit of football recruiting news before we sign off. All right, so Mississippi State, they had a little bit of action going on on the recruiting front for the football team. Uh, they Let's go ahead and pick up one, the, the the one that is probably the more well-known, the one that has probably the bigger impact. That is from Makai Polk, who is a 6'4", 185-pound receiver coming from Cal. He was, I think, the second leading receiver, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, let me look at that real quick. Yeah, he was a starter and the second re- leading receiver for uh, the Cal Bears. 
this past season, and he is transferring to Mississippi State. I don't think he is immediately eligible. I don't think I'm not 100% positive about that, but he is coming to Mississippi State to help out on the receiving core. Uh, it continues to be a the, – the transfer portal – continues to be something that Mike Leach is really diving into. Uh, He has made that a priority as he continues to try to build this roster to the way that he wants it for the immediate future. I don't know that we're going to be as active in the transfer portal as we have been uh, this year in the years to come, but as of right now, he has been very, very active in the transfer portal. And Look, it's always going to be there, and it's always going to be a part of what Mississippi State does just because of the fact that everyone has to kind of look at the transfer portal because it is just it's more it is so much more a part of college than it used to be uh so I expect them to continue to use the transfer portal but I just don't know if they're going to use it as much as they are right now right now they currently have a total of Five players committed through the portal, uh, Makai Polk. And the other guy that we're going to talk about, Chance Lovertich. He is a uh, grad – I'm not sure if he's a grad transfer, but he's a tr- uh, transfer quarterback. I don't know that he's going to be scholarship. I could be wrong about that. Uh, but he's coming from South Alabama. That already adds to Jack Abraham, who is a transfer quarterback. Now, he's immediately eligible. I know that much. Uh, he could give Will Rogers and Sawyer Robertson uh, – I run for their money. Look, right now the quarterback room is really, really full. Uh, you've got Will Rogers, who obviously is going to be the front runner for the starting job uh, next year. You've got Sawyer Robertson, who is coming in as one of the highest rated, if not the highest rated quarterback that Mississippi State has ever signed. Uh, so you've got those two there. Plus you've, you've got a second high school quarterback coming in and Daniel Greek. Then you've got the transfers, uh, Chance Lovertich, Jack Abraham, and actually, you've got a, another transfer quarterback in Jack Christofik, or Christofik, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name. Uh, plus, you've got the Vanderbilt walk-on from season ago. So there are a ton of players in the quarterback room. Mike Leach loves him some quarterbacks, and just because, which isn't surprising because of the fact that, uh, you know, you have an air raid offense. that you got to have somebody who can throw the football. Uh, the more guys that you have available to look at and to evaluate, then the better chances are you're going to be able to find one that can. Uh, so, obviously, there's a, a lot going on in the transfer portal. Like I said, the big news was Makai Polk. Uh, this happened this afternoon. Uh, he announced his decision to come to Mississippi State. This is after a player from San Jose State uh, was supposed to be transferring to Mississippi State, but there was a bylaw that did not allow him to come. I don't remember exactly what it is. Uh, Tyler Horka uh, actually wrote an article explaining the reasoning behind it, and I, I, I'll be real honest with you. I don't know. I don't remember exactly what it was, and I don't know that it would be a really compelling, a really compelling podcast for me to sit there and read that to you. So, uh, but like I said, the transfer portal very, very active. Mr. State's very active in it right now. Uh, they'll continue to be very active in it until. Really, they get the roster where they want to. They're supposedly, in this class, they're looking to get one or two more high school players, and then they're just going to fill out the rest of the recruiting class uh, with transfers at that point. And, look, this team, it's its going to probably be a little bit lower than what we're accustomed to in terms of Dan Mullen, but, but not a whole lot lower. Uh they're going to be fine on the recruiting front. Uh, they're Like I said, they're currently 34th in the country in uh, – 
in terms of recruiting ranks, in terms of recruiting rankings, I expect them to maybe be right around. They're probably going to finish right around there, which is a little bit lower than Dan Mullen normally recruited at. He recruited, you know, mid to high 20s, you know, 25 to 28 was about where Dan Mullen set with a really, uh, really consistent basis. Michigan State, it, it, just because of the fact that this is his first full year as the coach, it's not surprising that uh, it's going to come in in the low 30s. But I expect him to probably get just a little bit higher as he gets more comfortable with the area and gets a little bit – and recruiting comes a little bit easier for him and his staff in the coming years. As long as you're around 30 for Mississippi State, you'll be fine. You can – Mike Leach has shown that he can use the recruits that not necessarily everybody else wants and – make them into good quality players so i'm not too terribly worried about it uh, as long as he's got them right around 30 for the for most years then it'll be okay there are going to be some years he's probably better and there's some years he's going to be a little bit worse but if he can kind of consistently be around around 30 mr state has proven in years past that they'll be okay so long as they have a coach with a history of developing players pretty well and that's what mike leach has done so i expect them to be okay on the recruiting front in the years to come all right, guys, so we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show there. Uh, we will come back uh, either late Thursday. I'll probably record late Thursday night uh, for Friday since the uh, men's team is playing on Wednesday night. And I guess until that time, though, I'll see you then. But as always, until that moment, hell State. Thanks for listening to the Starkville State of Mind. <laughs>